Peter's words are helpful in getting us to think about our theme this morning um, from James. So if you have a Bible, um, please turn with me again to the book of James. This morning we are James chapter 4, um, verses 13 to 17. James chapter 4, um, verses 13 to 17. <clears throat> Let's read God's word together. James chapter 4, verse 13. Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Well, let's pause again and pray and ask for God's help. Our Father, we thank you again for the great privilege of being around your word. And God, we simply ask again that your spirit would speak to us. God, we want to hear from you. We want to hear truth, truth that is able to transform us. So Father, please take your word again this morning and plant it deep within our hearts. And cause it to rise up and bear good fruit in our lives. And show us again the glory of knowing Christ. We pray in his name. Amen. Amen. I have a little photo on the screen, if you have it there, Wesley. Um, And you can tell me if you know who this is on the screen. There we go. Who knows who this is? Yeah. Of course it's a robin, um, but it's not just any robin, it's the one and only Paddy the Robin. Potentially the most famous robin in the world. Paddy may even appear on some of your walls or on your sofas. Uh, It's a great picture. Um, Many of us will know um, Jim's love of birds and his ability to get these amazing pictures. But actually, there's more to Paddy the Robin than meets the eye. Some of you may or may not know, but if you chat to Jim, he will tell you that that Paddy is a little reminder to him of of a great truth in Scripture. And as he gives this photo away, it's a way for him to encourage others with that same truth. The truth comes from Psalm 31. And there the psalmist says, But I trust in you, O Lord... I say, you are my God, my times are in your hands. This picture is a reminder that our times are in God's hands and we can trust him to care for us. The people in James' day would do well to know Paddy the Robin. 
and be reminded of this truth from Psalm 31. Because although they knew God, they were living as if my times are in my hands, I trust in my plans and my control. Now we saw last week that the solution to quarrels and fights was humility. James continues on with the theme of humility and he presents another problem with the same solution, humility. This time the problem is arrogance or presumptuousness. You will see verse 16. He says, as it is, you boast in your arrogance and all such boasting is evil. Now what specifically is this arrogance well it's arrogance over our times and plans look at verse 13 come now you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a time we'll spend a year there we'll trade and make a profit the period of time here was marked by growing commercial activity And it's thought that many Jews were moving to the cities throughout the entire Mediterranean in pursuit of financial gain. And so it's possible that some of these scattered believers that James is writing to, that they're taking the opportunity when they're in different places to make some money. And in many ways this is a good and it's a sensible plan. Making the opportunity where you are to trade and make a profit while they can. James is not speaking against making money. He's not speaking against trying to be financially secure. And he's not speaking against trying to set provision in place for the future. James is not speaking against organising and planning. Many of us um, consider ourselves planners. That's a good thing. It's a good skill. We need good planners in the church. I do lots of planning. I enjoy planning. Um, I feel life is easier when I plan. I feel a bit stressed out when I don't plan. I'll try to have a daily plan, a weekly plan, a monthly plan, a term plan, and even an annual plan where I can. But what James is speaking against here are those who plan ahead with the certainty that tomorrow will be theirs to do as they please. He says, tomorrow we'll go to that place, we'll spend a year there, and we'll make this profit. And you'll notice in their plans that there is no mention of God. These believers, they are making their plans without reference to God. They have a reliance on the certainty of tomorrow and their ability to achieve their plans and goals. James is speaking against an arrogant presumption that our plans ought to succeed because we have made them. He's speaking to those who view life as their daily right. 
Now, how do we know if we're practicing this sin or this, this evil of arrogance as James describes it? I think probably a good test is our response when plans don't work out. Of course, we remember the pandemic. How could we forget it? Where everyone's plans changed. came as such a shock to our system. We crossed out appointments and events from our diary and we managed disappointment, grief and anger as a result of that. We're horrified when somehow our plans changed. Perhaps on the more everyday scale, how do you respond when you, for example, plan to be somewhere at a certain time, you find yourself driving behind someone slow and you're convinced they're driving that slow just to wind you up and make you late I think of being in an airport people seem to either love or loathe airports I love being in an airport I could sit in an airport all day and I think it's always fun to watch people's response as their plans change when a flight is delayed or cancelled see the problem is an arrogant presumption that our plans ought to succeed because we made them. And the cure that James offers for this, as I said at the beginning, is humility before God. It's recognising and realising God is God and we are not. And there's two points I want to draw out from that fact. And the first is this. God knows the future, not us. God knows the future, not us. Look at verse 14. James says, You do not know what tomorrow will bring. Humbly realise, you have no clue what may come tomorrow. I mean, we, we plan often a year ahead with certain days. But the truth is, we don't even know what exactly will happen this afternoon. You will often say, oh, you you never know what's around the corner. Or you never know what a day may bring. And of course that is true. But I think often we, we grasp this when particularly difficult circumstances hit us. And perhaps we're not so good at carrying that awareness on through to day to day living. Listen to the wisdom of Proverbs 16. The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs his spirit. The heart of man plans his way, But the Lord establishes or directs his steps. Now what is important in these verses is to notice the word but. So we see that man is doing something, but God is doing something. See, the the plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. The heart of man 
plans his way, but the Lord establishes or directs his steps. See? Man is planning and making decisions, but the Lord is in control of all of this. Think of the Apostle Paul as an example. Before his conversion, when he was known as Saul, Saul made a plan to capture Christians at Damascus, to bring them back to Jerusalem to probably torture them and kill them. And as he went on his way, he approached Damascus. And we read in Acts 9 that suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. Now Saul was the type of man that no one was going to stand in his way, in the way of his plans. But God, by divine grace, intervened and interrupted Paul's plans and forever changed the direction and course of his life. Now we know that as Saul set out to Damascus, yes, he was an unbeliever. But yet how often as believers we can slip into an unbelieving mindset, setting out on our day with our plans and dumbstruck when they don't work out. As if we were the only ones worth considering. Of course, the world drives home, and perhaps particularly to younger people, the world is your oyster. You're the master of your fate, the power for your life to be what you want it to be lies with you. And here's a truth we would do well to grasp. None of us are the centre of the world, but God is. One writer says this, he says, How can you, being the kinds of creatures that you are, presume to dictate the course of future events? How can you, being the kinds of creatures that you are, presume to dictate the course of future events? Do you know, we often spend time helping children to, to manage when things don't work out. There might be something fun planned and we might say, well, it may or may not happen. We prepare them because we know what their reaction might be if it doesn't happen. And yet we're not very good at taking our own advice. Often when plans don't work out, we're like the toddler kicking and screaming. So we make plans with humility. You don't know the future, But God does. And actually this can bring us so much rest for tomorrow. We rest about tomorrow not because we are sure of our plans, but because we are sure of who God is. I love it when the buck doesn't stop with me. It brings so much relief, so much rest. Don't panic when things don't work out just as you planned. You aren't in charge. God is. Your times are in his hands. He's a good father. He will give you all you need. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 6. He said, look at the birds. They're not panicking and fretting about tomorrow. And you are of much more 
value than they are. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will be anxious enough for itself. Take each day we rest in who God is. We take each day with confidence that God governs our lives, not us. Take confidence. Our our lives are not controlled by our plans working out or, or not working out because of some unfortunate circumstances. Our lives are not controlled by chance or by accident or by illness. Our lives, from the greatest events to the smallest details, are controlled by the God who knows the future. Isn't it a blessing to us that we don't know the future? You know, if we knew some horrible circumstance coming, would we not just dread every day until it happens? If we knew some wonderful circumstance in the future, would we not just bide our time and and miss what is happening right here and right now? If things don't go the way we want or expect, may we respond as Jesus did in Gethsemane, Lord, not my will but yours be done. We don't know the future. God does. So may we humble ourselves and trust him day by day. Now I want to mention verse 17, just at each of our points. Verse 17, James says, Whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is a sin. This is referring to sins of omission. So in other words, the good things that we should do but don't now some think this verse is a bit random and unexpected at this point but I believe we can fit it into each of our points and it can bring challenge to us so we've learnt that we do not know the future and so may we hold loosely enough to our own plans that we may be willing to disrupt our plans when an opportunity for good comes that we don't expect. May we be willing to disrupt our plans to do good to others, trusting God's control of our days and our circumstances and who we find ourselves with in those days and circumstances. God knows the future, not us. second point I want to draw out is God is immortal, we are not. Look at verse 14. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. We need to humbly admit who we are. We're a mist. We're really very unimportant. I remember one Christmas, Emma and I went to London for a few days. And to get the cheapest flights, we flew into Stansted, but returned home through Gatwick. So when we arrived in Stansted, I booked a return train ticket to Stansted Airport 
so it would be handy for us returning home. So we made the most of our last day, got the train back to Stansteads, went to check-in, and realised, of course, we should have been at Gatwick. And the only thing we could do then was to book another flight home from Stansted, which cost more than the whole trip put together. But, you know, as we contemplated not returning home and the things we had to do, the next day was Monday, we began to panic. I need to be here. People need me for this and that and the other thing. Tomorrow can't possibly happen if I don't return home. Now, if we hadn't managed to get another flight home, of course tomorrow would have happened just fine without us. You see, we, we, we like to think of ourselves more important than we really are. In a sense, we like to think that we're God, that nothing can go on without us. And, and this myth that we are just appears for a short time and then vanishes. We're just here for a short time. We will leave. And in just a short time again, no one will remember us. Isn't that a sobering thought? Listen to what the psalmist says. Psalm 39, verse 5 and 6. He says, Behold, you have made my days just a few hand breaths. My lifetime, us mere humans, is as nothing before you, God. Or Psalm 144, man is like a breath. Take one breath. Man is like a breath. His days are like a passing shadow. So it seems we just we plan and plan and plan. We never consider the fact that we will actually die. It just never seems to come into our plans. Think of the parable of the rich fool in Luke 12. Someone came to Jesus and said to Jesus to, to tell his brother to divide the inheritance with him. It seemed a common practice to ask a rabbi to mediate such matters. And in response, Jesus goes on to tell the parable of the rich fool to show him that his focus is all wrong. And the parable goes, the land of a rich man produced plentiful. And he thought to himself, what shall I do for I have nowhere to store my crops? And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store my grain and my goods. And I said to my soul, soul, you have ample goods let up. Listen to this. For many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. And what did God say to him? You fool. This night your soul is required of you. And the things you prepared will, whose will they be? See, this man planned for his future, maybe wise enough but no thought that he would die that very night. Your folks will often say to you, life goes quickly. And again, of course, that is so true. James wants us to humbly admit these truths. We are frail, limited humans. Don't live like it all depends on you. 
And I have to say, I'm not very good at this. I'm not even very good at being sick. I don't like being sick. I will do anything before I say, look, I'm sorry, I just can't make it. And you know, I wonder if we lived as though tomorrow could be our last day. How we might live differently today. It's worth thinking about, isn't it? What might our priorities be? What might our decisions be? What might our hopes and goals and prayers be? Again, verse 17, just to apply this here. If we had more realisation of how quickly our life is, well, surely we would be more quick to do the right thing. Instead of planning like tomorrow is guaranteed and we will live forever, James says there is another way, verse 15. He says, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. See, our very existence in any given day, it's not our right, but it's the Lord's gift to us. And what we do on any given day is determined by the Lord's will. Of course, many people will say, well-meaning people will say, God willing. Or if you're very spiritual, you'll say, DV. This is not language for announcements on a Sunday, but it is a constant awareness to change our reality every day of the week. Think of Paul, how God intervened and changed the direction and course of his life. And how then, we, when we read of Paul's own journeys following that, how they were all dependent on the will of God. How he went from travelling to Damascus thinking, this is my will and plans, to the rest of his life being, well, this will happen if God wills it. If God wants it to happen. We must live trusting God's control and his good purpose. Of course the primary example for all of this is the death of Jesus Christ. We knew there were many men planning and scheming to put Jesus to death. From early on in his ministry they were trying to trip him up. Trying to find something for which they could accuse him of. But they couldn't. But regardless, they got him on trial for blasphemy, even though he was the Son of God. He was tried in the courts unfairly. He was sentenced to death wrongly. He was mocked and spat and brutally killed by men who hated him, who planned his death and saw it through. But the Lord was in control, bringing about his good purpose. Little did these evil men know the Lord was in control of their decisions and plans and action, bringing about his good purpose, working for the good of his people, punishing his perfect son in place of imperfect sinners like you and me. As Jesus was put to death by the plans of evil men, God was making it possible for us to be forgiven our sins and brought into a forever relationship with God. 
So you see, to know Jesus is to know that, yes, we can plan many things, but the Lord will always bring about his good purpose in our lives. And of course, once we know Jesus, God's purpose is to make him more like us. That, that is God's will for our lives. Paul writes to the Thessalonians, This is the will of God, your sanctification. Theologians will call this the ethical will of God. So there are those things we can plan in the Lord's will, but, but, but we'll never be totally certain if it will or will not fit within his will. But we can plan and we can stride towards sanctification, becoming more like Christ with confidence because we know for sure it is God's will for us. And so as we finish this morning, may we focus on what is certain. Listen to John chapter 10, verse 28. Jesus says, I give my people eternal life. They will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hands. This certainty allows us to face the future with confidence, free from fear, resting on Christ alone. And the catechisms ask, what is my only comfort in life and death? Here is the answer from the Heidelberg Catechism. So what is my only hope, what is my only comfort in life and death? That I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and death to my faithful Saviour, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. He also watched over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation. Because I belong to him, Christ, by his Holy Spirit, assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. Let's pray together. Loving God, we thank you for the confidence, great confidence we can have in who you are that you are God over all. God, as we recognize who you are today, may we hold loosely to our plans and our will, and may we hold on tightly to who you are and your good purposes in this world. God, we thank you that your certain purpose for us is our full and complete salvation. That your will for us is to sanctify us. 
God, we thank you that we belong to your faithful Saviour, Jesus Christ. We thank you that nothing can take us away from him. We thank you for the confidence we have in the future. We will never perish. We will never be snatched from your hands. But we have a confidence of eternal life. God, we ask that you would indeed humble us this morning. Just to know that we are frail and we are limited. And so may we depend upon you who is eternally strong and able. Father, we pray for those with significant difficulties just now. And where there is pain, where there is grief, where there is fear where there is disappointment. God, may they be assured of who you are. Will you give strength and grace to take each day at a time, trusting in who you are. And may there come a measure of rest and comfort in looking again to you. We pray all these things through Jesus Christ, our Saviour. Amen. Amen.